chapter number one. I'm going to jump right in, verse number one. I do want to be sensitive to our kiddos. They have school tomorrow, and I know uh, you have to go to work, so we're not going to keep you any later than the Lord would have us to. I'm excited about the message tonight, and I'm so excited about it. I don't mind cutting it off and not rushing through to finish. We'll finish next week if we have to. Lamentations 1, verse number 1. Let's start over. We haven't made it past verse number 2 yet, but we'll get into 3 tonight. The Bible says, How doth a city sit solitary that was full of people? How has she become as a widow, she that was great among the nations and princes among the provinces? How has she become tributary? She weepeth sore in the night, and her tears are on her cheeks. Among all her lovers, she hath none to comfort her. All her friends have dealt treacherously with her. They are become her enemies. Well, we're going to speak out of verse 3 tonight. The Bible says, Judah is gone into captivity because of affliction, because of great servitude. She dwelleth among the heathen. She findeth no rest. All her persecutors overtook her between the straits. Now look at that last sentence. The Bible says all her persecutors overtook her between the straits. Let's stop there and pray. Father, I do thank you again for your word. Thank you, Lord, for loving us enough to preserve for us in your word lessons that we can learn from, from people, Lord, who had desires, temptations, passions, just like we do. Lord, I pray we'd learn from tonight, Lord, as individuals, as homes, as a church, and as a nation, that, Father, we might not have to come to the ruin that Jerusalem saw. And I pray that, Lord, you'd help us to open our hearts tonight, help us receive it, help us respond to it in a way that's pleasing to you, for it's in Jesus' name. Amen. As we've gone through these lessons of lamentations, we have seen uh, that these are indeed sad lessons. I read an interesting quote this week from J. Vernon McGee, and he put it this way, no blues singer ever sang a sadder song than Jeremiah. He says in Lamentations, it's five of his top songs, and I agree with him. As we go through these lessons in the book of Lamentations, we see they are indeed sad. We looked at the lesson of loneliness and how Jerusalem decided they wanted to try things without God, and God let them have exactly what they wanted. Be careful what you wish for. When you push God away, you'll find it's very lonely. And then we looked at the lesson of lowliness, where sin and destruction brought about to Jerusalem what they were not willing to do for themselves. God wants us to be humble and to humble ourselves before God. And if we don't humble ourselves, then guess what? God allows our circumstances to humble us. And I believe in America right now, we are seeing what happens when we don't humble ourselves. God allows circumstances and sin and the repercussions of sin to humble us under God where we should have been all along. And then last time, we looked at the lesson of laments where finally Jerusalem is weeping over sin and grieving over sin the way God does. Now, folks, we don't have to learn to grieve the way they did. We can grieve over sin because it grieves our Father without us having to grieve because of the circumstances and the outcomes of sin. But oftentimes, we have to live through the circumstances before we finally grieve. Now, verse number three, let's pick up in tonight. We noticed that last sentence. The Bible says, <clears throat> all her persecutors overtook her between the straits. I want you to notice that word overtook and key in on the word over. Now, here's what's happened. We see that Jerusalem now is no longer in charge. Jerusalem, as we read in verse number two, has become tributary. They are subjects, and they're now servants, and they are now under control of the Babylonians. Now, watch this. They were in control. They were the ones who were on top, and now they have been overtaken. Now they are under the control of the Babylonians in captivity, and they're about to learn one of the most important lessons in life that we must learn tonight, and it's a lesson we're going to focus in on for the rest of our time here. It's the lesson of lordship. The lesson of lordship. Now, up until now, the Lord had been their Lord. The Lord had overshadowed them. The Lord was in charge over them, and they were under him. But they decided that they did not want the Lord to be their Lord. They didn't want to be under him anymore. And they rejected God. And now we see that they're under the control of another Lord. Someone else is lording over them. The Bible says they have been overtaken. And now they are under the control of someone else. You know, sometimes the best way to learn the value of something is not to have it. How many of us have been given one of those cheapo, stinking ice scrapers for your windshield? I think we've all had one. We've all been given one. 
And the only thing you use it for in South Mississippi is a pollen scraper. We never have to scrape ice off our windshields. We scrape pollen off of our windshields. And most of the time, we lose those things. That's garage sale fodder, right? We don't use those things around here. And boy, the other day, how many of us went looking for those things? Where is that dumb thing at? You know, somebody gave us one. It was a stocking stuffer or maybe a birthday present, and you couldn't find it. And boy, now you realize the value of those things. Why? Because you didn't have it. Now watch, Jerusalem did not value, God's people did not value having the Lord as their Lord. They did not value being under the Lord. And so the Lord allows them the wonderful but painful experience of having someone else Lord over them. Now folks, I want you to understand there's a reason that Psalms 113.5 says, Who is like the Lord our God? There's a reason it says that. Who is like unto the Lord our God? There's none like him. But oftentimes we take the Lord for granted. And we decide, you know what? I don't want to be under the Lord anymore. I want to be my own Lord. I want to be under another Lord. And so the Lord gives us what we want. And we learn the valuable lesson of lordship when God allows us to be under the control of another power. So tonight, let's look at this lesson of lordship if we could. Now, the first thing I want you to think about is this. Most of the time we think about Lord, we think about the Lord. But really, a Lord is simply one that has authority or influence over you. That's what a Lord is, something that lords over you. Now, two times in Scripture we see the word lordship mentioned, and both times the word after lordship is the word over. So a Lord is who is over you, who has influence and control over you. Now, I hope tonight that that's the Lord, but oftentimes the Lord is not Lord of our life. He is our Lord, but we don't allow him to lord over our life because we want that power and influence for ourselves. God, I want you to be my Lord, but don't lord over me. That's how most of us live. God, I want you to be my Lord and my Savior, but don't lord over me. Let me have control and influence over my life in the areas that I want to. But really what lordship is simply this. Lordship is who you submit to and submit to be under. That's what lordship is. Who you submit to be under and who has control. Now, this is the first part of the lesson tonight. It's very, very crucial. We're looking at a city that's been destroyed. A city that's been overrun and just destroyed and ransacked. And Jeremiah is writing lamentation in tears as he looks upon the destruction of what happens when you don't have the right lordship. Now, watch this. The reason they're in this mess is they believe one of Satan's most important and powerful lies, and that's point number one. I want you to notice the lie of a lordless life. The lie of a lordless life. Now, here's what happens. Satan convinced God's people that rebellion from God meant they got to be their own boss. Right? If I just tell God, God, I don't want you to lord over my life. I'm going to reject you as Lord, and I get to be my own boss. All right? I have a graphic. We're going to keep up on the screen tonight to help you understand what we're getting at. and get the guys to pull it up right quick. Uh, we have the Lord on, let's see, make sure I got it right. On this side, it's, it's reversed back there. You guys are going to drive me crazy at being reversed on that screen. All right? We have God on this side, <clears throat> and we have everything else on this side. Now, we get to decide what we're going to be under. We decide who's going to be over us and who's going to lord over us. Now, Satan's lie is this. His lie is, if you tell the Lord, you know what, Lord, I don't want you to be my Lord. I don't want you to lord over my life, that you get to be your own boss, but that's a lie. Because there's no such thing as a lordless life. You're going to be under someone, and you're going to submit to something. How many of us remember uh, that phrase? I think I have the picture. I'll show you here in just a second. Uh, For teenagers, it says, teenagers, tired of being harassed by your parents. How many of you teenagers? Don't raise your hand. You get in trouble. Tired of being harassed by your parents? Act now. Move out. Get a job. uh, Go your own way while you still know everything. But boy, as a teenager, that was tempting, wasn't it? I can't wait to get out of the house. I can't wait to do my own thing. I can't wait to be my own boss, stay up as late as I want to stay up, eat what I want to eat, go where I want to go. I can't wait till I'm my own authority. And all of you adults are smiling tonight. You know why? Because we had those ideals that, man, I can't wait to get out from under that authority where I can be my own boss. And you realize everybody has a boss. Every soul is going to submit to something. Now, folks, I want to tell you this. This applies to us as Christians tonight. 
You Listen, you've got to decide who you're going to submit to, and you can't be your own boss. You're going to submit to some authority in your life, and that's what's going to have the influence and give direction to your home, but be careful what you wish for. Israel is finding out it's different when you have someone else lord over you. Now, I want you to remember the, one of the first lies that was ever spoken. Genesis chapter number 3, what did the Bible say? Satan comes up to tempt Eve, and he says this in verse number 4, And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day that ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Do you know what the first sin was really revolving around? Lordship. Lordship. Adam and Eve had the Lord as their Lord. He was over them. They were under him. And boy, when you're under him, the blessings of God come down from him. And boy, it's good. And they had it good. The Bible says all that he created was good. But the devil convinced them that they could be their own boss. You know what? Tell God, I don't want you lording over me. I can be just like God. I can be my own boss. I can decide what's good and what's evil. I can be like God. And so they rejected God, and they thought that they were going to be in control. But guess what? The Bible says in Romans chapter 5, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world. So when Adam and Eve sinned, they introduced and opened the door for sin and death to come into the world. And listen what the Bible says in Romans 5, 14. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses. Wait a minute. Death what? Reigned. That means it's in charge. Wait a minute. I thought you said that if I just got out from under God, I'd be my own boss. I can do what I want to do. I would be in charge. I would be like the Lord, knowing good and evil. But the Bible says in verse 14, nevertheless, death reigned. Read verse number 17. For if by one man's offense, death reigned by one. Now death is over them. Now sin is over them. Listen to Romans 5, 21. That is sin hath reigned unto death. Can I tell you what God, Adam and Eve? They believed in the lie of a lordless life. That I get to be in charge. I'm my own man. You know what? I'm tired of being under God. I'm not going to be under God anymore. I'm going to do my own thing and be my own boss. And then they realize, you know what? I'm not my own boss because now sin and death reign. Instead of God reigning unto life and blessings and peace and joy and contentment, now I'm under sin, the law, and death, which leads to eternal death. Why? Because they believe the lie of a lordless life. Folks, understand this tonight. Every soul submits to something. Every soul will submit to something. You're never going to be your own boss. Peter Forsyth said it this way. The first duty of every soul is to not find its freedom, but to find its master. Each one of us has to decide what we're going to submit to. What's going to be Lord in our life? So the Lord is my Lord. But can I ask you, is he Lord of your life? Does he have the influence and authority over your life? Because if he's Lord, he's Lord over all. Is he Lord tonight? Or have you believed the lie of a lordless life? Romans 6.16, listen to this. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are. Notice it didn't say if. It says who you yield to. What you yield to. You yield to God. You're servants to God. You're under God. But you yield to anything else. You're servants to that. Notice it didn't say that if you might be a servant if you yield. No. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves, servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. You're going to submit to something. It's a lie of a lordless life. You're going to submit to that influence and authority in your life, and Israel is learning the lesson the hard way that you'd rather be under God than under anything else. We think, boy, you know what? I'm not going to spend time under God. I'm going to strike out on my own, and I'm going to make that money, and I'm going to get that paycheck, and I'm going to build that kingdom. You're going to find out verse number three will become yours. You're going to be overtaken. Why? Because you've submitted to something other than the Lord. I want you to remember what Joshua said in Joshua 24. Boy, a lot of these scriptures are like a pop-up book. Uh, When you get a hold of a principle of the word of God, particularly like lordship, you begin to see the word of God come to life. Remember what Joshua said in Joshua 24, 15? If it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve. Notice, it didn't say choose you if you will serve. It says you get to choose whom you're going to serve. 
Whether the gods which your father served, which were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Notice he did not give them the ultimatum of if you're going to serve somebody. He says you get to choose whom you're going to serve. You see, it's a lie that you can think you're going to live a lordless life. You're going to submit to something and someone as the authority and influence for the direction of your home and your life and even our church. That's why it's important that we choose to be one nation under God. You see how that works? Under God. Why? Because we find out when we get out from under God, things don't go well. For 200 years, this nation was blessed of God. Why? Because God was our Lord. We were one nation under God. And God takes care of everything underneath him. Can I, can I encourage you something tonight? I've said this before. I'm going to say it again. Be sure your children are under God, not over God. Don't put your kids above God. You've now made them a target. Remember the blessings of God come down. If they're above God, they can't get rained on. I see a lot of kids and mom and dad says, look, I just love them too much. No, you don't love them if you don't put them under God. They're going to shrivel up and dry up and die spiritually if you don't get them under God because the blessings of God come down. Every good and perfect gift cometh down. They've got to be under God. People look at this, this young country of America and this experiment. They call America this experiment. What was it in the DNA of this young country that created this superpower in 200 years? World power. And they're trying to figure it out. Was it the intellect of the people? What was it that had this interesting mix that created the United States of America? I can tell you it's, it's not an experiment. We were under God. We were under God. He was our Lord. And now you look at the last, let's say, 40 years. Look at the last 40 years in this country. Things are falling apart. Why? Because we've decided we don't want to be under God anymore. And we decided, you know what? We want everything else to be our God, our money and our education and our possessions. And we're finding out, just like the people in Lamentations 1-3, that we have been overtaken we're thinking, what happened to America? Listen, the city on a hill, oh, the windows of the city of that lighthouse have gotten a little bit dingy, haven't they? Why, we're no longer under God. Well, folks, the same thing is going to happen to your home. The same thing will happen to your life if you don't keep it under God. By the way, it's a fight. You'll get it there on Sunday, and by Monday night, you're scratching and clawing to get it back there. Boy, I'll leave here on a Sunday night. Man, I feel like the message went well. You smiled at me while I was preaching. I'm like, yeah, it must have went well because they were smiling. Get home Monday morning, I wake up. I don't even feel like reading my Bible. Why? Because it's hard to stay under God. It's a fight. Prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Do you know everything else has an earthly magnetism to this stuff? It just naturally pulls you this way, and you're constantly fighting going this way. I'm thinking when we get to heaven, it's not going to be that way. But down here, we've got to fight it. Down here, watch this. It's worth the fight to stay under God. But don't, listen, don't bite off and believe the lie of a lordless life. That's exactly what they did. Hey, I get to be my own boss. You ever seen those 18-wheelers going down the road? Wouldn't you like to be your own boss? Be behind the wheel, drive it yourself? Yeah, but you've got to pay for the insurance. You've got to pay for all the maintenance and all that stuff. Be your own boss. And the devil comes up to you and he says, be your own boss. But you don't realize it's when you're out from under God, you'll be overtaken and overshadowed by everything else. I can tell you personally in my own life, many things will compete for this spot of what's going to be over you. Many things will compete, but only one will be in control. You're going to be under the influence of something. And Israel's finding out the hard way. You'd rather be under God. We know the story of Elijah in 1 Kings 18. He's sitting there trying to get the people to decide. He says, how long halt ye between two opinions? I'm just not sure. Do I want to be under God or do I want to be son? How long? Here's what he said. 1 Kings 18, how long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. But here's what's interesting. Not following wasn't given as an option. If God be God, follow him. If Baal be God, follow him. But notice, you're going to follow one or the other. You're going to be under something. You're going to submit to some authority in your life. And I'll promise you, you want to be under God. Why? Because the book of Lamentations is what happens when you get out from under God. I've seen churches go under. I've seen families go under. Why? Because they thought they could build out from under God. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. 
God's not going to be mocked. He'll bless those that are under, and you'll find out the hard way if you're not. I think about our country tonight, and we look at how godless our societies become. Now, I want you to think about this. This is super simple, all right? This is on my brain level, so you ought to be able to get this. We wonder why America is so godless. Now, think about the word godless. Right here, we're under God, and if you're not under God, you're now on the side that is godless. You get that? We shouldn't be surprised that our society has become godless because now we're under something that God's not over. You get it? All right? Our society's become godless because we're no longer under the side that God's on. And God's not going to come over to where we're at. God's waiting for us to repent and come back to him. That's what repentance is. God is sitting over here with all of his blessings, his power, his providence, his hand of protection for this country. He's still sitting there waiting with all of those resources for his people to repent and come back to him and get under God again. But he's not about to bring them over where you're at. God's faithful, but remember, God is just. God's not going to bless us while we're over here under everything else. The truth is this, one nation under God, or we're going to be one nation under the godless. All right? We're going to be one nation under God or one nation. Listen, we get so surprised when lawmakers pass laws that go against the word of God. We shouldn't be surprised. Look, if we choose to be one nation out from under God, we are now one nation under the godless. You can't have it both ways. But we think we can believe the lie of a lordless life. Notice what happened. Verse 3, she findeth no rest. All her persecutors overtook her. She's now under their lordship. Let's look at the second part of this lesson tonight. It's very much just as equally important. I want you to see the second lie of lordship tonight, and I want you to turn back to Jeremiah. Now, remember, lamentations is what happens after. Jeremiah was what was happening before. Jeremiah was begging them, don't go here, don't go here. Jeremiah chapter 2, I want to read this for you. God says this, verse number 7 of Jeremiah 2, and I brought you into a plentiful country, to eat the fruit thereof and the goodness thereof. Boy, I'm telling you, if America can't see itself in this example, we're blind. I brought you into a plentiful country to eat the fruit thereof and the goodness thereof. So notice what God did. God brought them to this land, but notice what they did. The Bible says, but when ye entered, ye defiled my land and made my heritage an abomination. Now hear me out. Here's what Israel did. They wanted to live in his land, but not under his law. Did you hear me? They wanted to live in his land and to have the blessings and the goodness, but they didn't want to live under his law. You can't live under everything else and expect to get the blessings, which you're only going to get from under God. That's number two I want you to see tonight. Notice the lie of limited lordship. The lie of limited lordship. The devil's going to try to tell you, that you can do your own thing and live underneath the authority and influence of everything else and still have the blessings of God. Israel comes in, they enjoy the blessings of God and the goodness of God, but after they're enjoying them, they decide, you know what, we're going to do our own thing, but they still wanted to have the blessings. It doesn't work that. There is no such thing as limited lordship. That's almost like a partial priority. No such thing. No such thing. Either he's all Lord or he's none. All right? You can't have it halfway. There's no such thing as limited lordship. Israel wanted the opportunities of God without the obligation to God. They wanted God's opportunities. God, give us your blessings and your opportunities and your protection, but give it to us over here. God says it doesn't work that way. The blessings only come down to those that are under God. That's the only way I'm going to bless you. There's no such thing of doing what you want and getting what God wants for you. It's not going to happen that way. There's no such thing as limited lordship. I was thinking this afternoon about a lot of my friends in Florida. As a kid, I would go to Florida and work on working uh, the palm tree business with my grandfather. And uh, he'd climb the trees with the spikes, and he would trim the palm trees, and I would drag the palm fronds to the road. And that was kind of how I made summer money, working with Papa, and really enjoyed that. And I got to know a lot of people when I was there, older folks who they called snowbirds. And I think most of us know what snowbirds are. They're folks who live up in the north uh, who like that cooler weather, uh, in the summer when it's up there. But then they come down here during the winter so they can enjoy the warmer weather down here. So they kind of move back and forth uh, according to the, what they like. And I was thinking about that this afternoon, about how many times I think we have spiritual snowbirds. We want the blessings of God and blessings from God without being burdened by God. 
We want God's blessings, but we don't want God's burden. You know, there's a burden. There's a burden when it comes to living under God. You can't just live under God any old way you want to. Listen, there's some responsibility that comes along with it. Just a few minutes ago in our Sunday school teachers meeting, we kind of gave out a long list of policies and standards that we have for our workers. Listen, when you step up and you start becoming a position of authority, listen, there's policies and standards. I can give you all of them for a pastor. Good night. It's like a grocery list. All right? God has a way that God wants things done, and we try to do things the way God wants things done. God says, look, I have a way I want you to live. You can't live over here and receive my blessings. You're going to be one or the other. Matter of fact, there's an old preacher who said it this way, Stanley Jones. Jesus Christ will be Lord of all or he will be Lord of nothing at all. He'll be Lord of all or not be Lord at all. And how often do we, do we not want to be under God? God, I don't want you to Lord over my life. Don't tell me how I'm supposed to live, how I'm supposed to talk, how I'm supposed to dress. God, don't tell me how to do any of that stuff, but can I have your blessings? It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way in my house. Why should I think it works that way in God's house? You know, my daughter, she has things that she's supposed to get done. Miley, you get up, kind of clean your room, get dressed for school, you know, eat breakfast, all those things. She has some chores. Her, her mom has pawned off all of her chores to her. <clears throat> I guess I didn't live right when I was young to get a son that I could pass all of my chores to. Uh, so I still have to do them. I still have to take out the garbage, and I still have to do those things. So Miley has chores to do, and Miley... When she does her chores, look, we try to be a blessing to her as a parent, try to encourage her and, and, you know, get her something here or there, give her a little allowance here or there. But, you know, if Miley did not clean her room and Miley did not do the dishes and Miley did not do the chores that her mom left for her, and she comes up and says, Dad, can we go to Disney World? I'm really not going to be in the mood. Really? Really? Now, you may be looking at me tonight with those intolerant eyes thinking, man, you're just an ogre of a parent. No, I'm just a little bit old-fashioned. You know, we wonder why we have the entitlement society that we're living in today. It's because mom and dad's raised entitled children. Never had to work for anything, all right? Just being honest with you, that's the truth. So understand this. God looks down and God says, look, you're living over here. I want to bless you over here, but you're going to have to go ahead and get back under me because there is no such thing tonight of limited lordship. A little boy came in the kitchen one day <clears throat> craving chocolate milk. He came into the kitchen right about the time his older brother was pouring out the last drop into a glass. The boy goes to his brother. He said, hey, that's what I was coming in here for. And he says, well, that's, that's all that's there. And he says, listen, listen, I've been craving chocolate milk, and I just got up, and you poured the last bit in there. Listen, can we split it? And the older brother says, yeah, we'll split it. I'll split it with you. Being a good big brother, I'll split it with you. And so the little boy sits there, and the, little brother starts, the older brother starts chugging. Doop, 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 doop. He just kills it. It's all gone. He looks over at him, and he says, what was that all about? I thought you were going to share. He says, well, look, I had every intention on doing that for you, but my half was on the bottom. And I had to get to my half first and had to go through your half to get there. Ah, smart kid. Didn't work out the way he thought. You know, I thought we could share this, and everything was going to work out. Can I tell you, that's what the devil does. The devil comes up, and he says, look, look, if you'll just come over here, look, I don't mind you saying that you're under God. I don't mind you having a bumper sticker that says you're under God. I don't mind you having a t-shirt or a bracelet that says under your God. But listen, but you know in your life, you're not really under God. Because watch, who you submit to and who is Lord, it's not who you say, it's who you submit to. All right? We like to say we're under God, but in our life, we submit to everything else. Our job has more control over us. Our desires have more control over us. Listen, peer pressure has more influence over us than God does. So who's Lord now? All right? It's not who we say, it's who we submit to. And the devil says, look, if you'll just share time, look, you can do all of that, but you don't really have to be under God, and hey, it's going to work out. Listen, the devil's going to drink all your chocolate milk. You think, I'm going to make a deal with him, and it's going to be all right, because get he gets part, and I get part, and everything's going to work out. No, there is no such thing as limited lordship. doesn't work out that way. But the Heath preached on it last Wednesday night. Wonderful message. Verse 16, Galatians 5. This I say, then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. The flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary one to another, so that you cannot do the things that you would. When you're here, you can't do what you could do there. And when you're here, you can't do the things that you could do there. Is that not what it said? You cannot do the things that you would. But notice, it only gave two choices. We talk about this as straddling the fence business. I think a good Baptist invented that. No such thing as straddling the fence. Either he's Lord or he's not. 
Listen, either he's Lord over all or he's not Lord at all, but he's not going to share you with the devil. Listen, he's not going to give you weekend visits with God and you go back and live with him the rest of the week. Either he's Lord or he's not. And we say he's Lord, but what do we submit to as Lord? What has the authority and influence over our life? Galatians 5.18, I love it when you read the rest of that. You know, it's almost like the same person wrote this whole book. You go back and you read the rest of that verse Verse 16 says, walk in the spirit, you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Go down to verse 18, it says, but if you led of the spirit, you're not under the law. You're not under the law. I assure you, you don't want to live here because you're under the law and you're under sin and you're appointed to death. But under God, there's life, there's joy, there's peace, there's mercy. Matthew 6 sums it up very clearly. No man can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the other. I want you to notice the words he will. God's very emphatic. Doesn't have those fuzzy gray areas that we like to hide in, that fence straddling business. He says either he will hate the one or love the other. He didn't say, you know what? We're gonna hold hands across that middle aisle there. You know what? I, I know, listen, I'm under God, but I'm holding hands with the devil. No, the Bible says you're either gonna hate one and love the other, are you going to hold to one and despise the other? Now, folks, look, I didn't say that. Don't get mad at me, all right? This is the word of God. This is what God says. There's, there's no middle ground here. Either you're under God or you're under everything else. Whatsoever is not of faith is what? Sin. I'm going to hurry, but I want you to get this tonight. Romans 6.13, neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness. I want you to notice, it's a one or the other thing. The Bible says neither yield. What is yield? It's submitting. What are you under? What are you submitting to? That's Lord. That's what's Lord in your life. It's what you're submitting to. And what I submit to, that's what's Lord. The Bible says it's righteousness or unrighteousness. So I just don't like that. I had someone get angry with me yesterday. And I was trying to be nice. I really was. I was. Somebody got angry with me. I mean, y'all know, am I a nice guy? I try to be a nice guy. Sometimes people look at me, brothers and sisters, and I think they think I'm mean. I'm not. I love you in the Lord. I love you enough to tell you the truth. Really, really. If I didn't care about you, I'd lie to you and tell you everybody's good. You don't even have to show up Sunday. You're good. All right? Whatever feels good, just do it. All right, you're good. No, I love you enough to tell you the truth. Why? Because the truth is going to make you free, and I want you to be free. So I love you enough to tell you the truth. Oh, I had somebody get mad at me yesterday. Why? Because I told them the truth as kindly as possible. They said, well, I just don't think you have the right to judge me. I said, well, I'm not judging you. The Bible's judging you. And I said, you can let it judge you down here, or you can let it judge you when you get there. But up there, it's too, too late to make a course correction. Now, folks, look, the Word of God says there's righteousness or unrighteousness. You can't serve two masters. So tonight, if you're living by that lie of limited lordship, I'm afraid you've made a deal with the devil. There's no such thing. You're going to serve one or you're going to serve the other. What do you think about Samson tonight? <clears throat> Old Samson, boy, didn't he enjoy the resources of God? Man, I'd love to have some of that every once in a while, that spiritual Popeye. Wouldn't that be good? Have that strength every once in a while, impress your wife? I don't ever get to impress my wife, you know? I'm Jeremiah the librarian, if you were listening Sunday morning, you know? I don't ever get to impress her very much. Samson enjoyed the resources of God. Why? He was under God. You get to enjoy the resources when you're under God. Samson decided he was going to go somewhere he knew he was not supposed to go, around people he knew he was not supposed to be around, doing things he knew he was not supposed to be doing. So watch, in order to do that, he had to leave out from under God. And all of a sudden, after his hair was cut, he sprang up as before. I'm going to have the strength over here. His muscle just did that cartoon thing. Why? You can't have the resources of God when you're living in rebellion to God. It won't work that way. You know, the other night, I got to craving some of those, uh, uh, what is it called, insanity cookies? Is that what that's called? Insomnia. Insanity, insomnia, same thing. Some of you I know. Insomnia cookies delivers up to 3 a.m. I mean, if there's anything more American than cookie delivery, I don't know what it is. Maybe apple pie, but that's about it. 
And boy, they had this cookie. It's a s'mores cookie with, with marshmallow. And oh, my goodness, I got cravings with that. I go on their website. And I'm just clicking away. Yep, 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 yep. Thinking about my wife. She likes the Reese's. Yep, yep, yep. Well, now with Miley, she likes sprinkles. Yep, yep, yep. Clicking all this. Man, I got so excited. And I clicked deliver. Bring them to the front door, brother. I'll pay that extra five bucks or whatever it is. You're going to deliver hot cookies to my door? <laughs> yeah, five bucks is well worth it. And finally, when I got ready to check out, it says, not available in your area. That's un-American. Some communists wrote that website. Don't deliver cookies to my area. As far as they'll go is to William Carey College. And I'm thinking, well, if I had to drive to William Carey, I might as well drive all the way across town and pick them up myself. So I ended up not getting the cookies. Why? They weren't available in my area. Can I tell you tonight, God makes some really good cookies. Blessings and power and providence and protection, you name it. But you can't get them here. They're not available in this area. Do you know why so many people tonight are living without peace? It's not available in their area. This is the area they're living in. They don't want to live under God. I don't want to be under God and let him lord over my life and tell me everything he wants me to do. I don't want to live under God, and so I'll be over here. And they keep trying to order the cookies that God cooks. Where's some of that peace that passes understanding at? It's not available in your area. Where's that joy that's unspeakable? Not available in this area, all right? You're going to have to drive across town a little bit, get back over here under God. You get back under God, oh, now you're back in that coverage area, and they'll deliver them there. But look, as long as you're trying to live a life, living the lie of limited lordship, don't be surprised if you don't have peace, power, providence. It's not happening. Why? Because it's not available in that area. You believe the lie of limited lordship, and that's what they found out. They are now overtaken. And notice their lifestyle, if you would, in verse 3. They're in captivity because of affliction, because of great servitude. She dwelleth among the heathen, findeth no rest. Ooh, it doesn't sound like things are working out for her very well. Why? Because she decided, I don't want to be under God anymore. Don't tell me what to do. She rebelled against God, and now she has turned off the resources of God. I want to ask you this before I give you the last point tonight. How many of us in our marriage would be satisfied if your spouse was 75% committed? 75, that's a passing grade. All right, let's bump it up a little bit. Let's go up to a, let's go up to a B. <clears throat> what is a B, a 90, 93 now? B, is that a, yeah, sounds good. Some of you haven't made one, but that's, that's about where it's at. Aspire, work, work hard. Your spouse is 93% committed. I want you to know that's not good enough for me. Either I'm her husband or I'm not. Either I'm all her husband. Look, I don't know how the Mormons do it. I'm just being straight up with you. I try to walk in the spirit. She comes bringing another guy home. I'm probably going to leave my service area just for a few minutes. I'm going to get over here, and uh, we wouldn't be satisfied within our home, would we? 98%. There's no such thing as 98% committed. There's no such thing as 99% committed. Either you're committed or you're not. And tonight, either he's Lord or he's not. There's no straddle on the fence. He said, well, look, I'm working on it. I'm 99. No, listen, you're still over here. Why? Because there's no such thing as limited lordship. Finally, we're going to get through the third one tonight. Verse number three, we read about the lifestyle they're living. We read it a moment ago. They're in captivity, affliction, servitude. She's among the heathen and has no rest, and she's been overtaken between the straits. Now, this is interesting. Notice her new accommodations really pale in comparison to her old accommodations. What was her old accommodations? Let me read them for you again. Jeremiah 2, verse 7. I brought you into a plenteous country to eat the fruit thereof and the goodness thereof, and yet now they're in captivity. Why? They're experiencing a very telling truth in the lesson of lordship, and this is number three. Notice the lifestyle of lordship, the lifestyle of lordship. Remember this truth tonight, if you would. Whatever you submit to as Lord determines the lifestyle you will live. Whatever you submit to as Lord will determine the lifestyle that you live. They're kind of a package deal. Your Lord supplies your lifestyle. The Lord supplied for them, what did he say? A plenteous land, verse number 7, to eat the fruit thereof and the goodness thereof. And now look at their new Lord. Look at the new one that's over them. 
captivity, affliction, servitude among the heathen, no rest, and her persecutors have overtaken them. Can I tell you something tonight, folks? The reason so many of us are living the lifestyle we're living is telling on us who our Lord is. When the Lord's your Lord, there's a lifestyle that comes with it. I know you're not hearing it preached. You're not hearing it taught. And I know it's not popular. But God has a lifestyle for those who live in his area code. All right? It's called holiness. It's in the word of God. It's still there. What did he say a while ago? Righteousness. Yield as instruments of righteousness. Not listen to the flesh as instruments of unrighteousness. That's just the way God works. There's a lifestyle that comes with lordship. Now, folks, listen to me. A lot of the reason we're having trouble... It's because of our Lord, the lifestyle. We don't have any joy. We don't have any peace. We don't have any contentment. We don't have any power. Why? Because we're living the lifestyle that reflects who our Lord is. A job, peer pressure, the status quo, they make pitiful lords. Why? Because the package, the benefits package they offer is not very good. What if I came to you tonight and I said, look, I've got a new Lord I want to pitch to you. And here's what he offers. Captivity, affliction, servitude, it's to live among the heathen. Have no peace. Any takers? Some of you insomnia acts or whatever that was. Insanity acts, yeah, that's you. You might bite off on that, but I don't know anybody in their right mind going to bite off on that one. But that's what comes with the lifestyle when you reject being under God. When you reject that of being under God, you're now accepting the lifestyle that comes with having another Lord. Listen to this. Romans 5, 21, the Bible says sin reigned. We looked at it a minute ago. The Bible says we were under the law. Now listen what comes along with that in Galatians 5, 19. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murderers, drunkenness, revelings, and such a like. Here's this whole list. Those are things that are reflected when you live in that area code, when you reject the Lord as your God. Do you know the verse I just read you describes so much of America today? Why do we have so much adultery and fornication and uncleanness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred? Why do we have so much hatred in America? Variance, emulations, wrath. We have so much strife in America. Why do we have that? Envyings, murderers, drunkenness. Why do we have that? It's because of who we've made our Lord. That's what comes with this area code. All right, listen, the lifestyle of who your Lord is is going to be reflected in your life. But wait a minute. I love this. I love this. You read James 1.15, the Bible says, Sin, when it's finished, bringeth forth death. I don't know that I want to live there. I mean, you read all of those things that come with that lifestyle of that Lord. When anything else is your Lord, when anything else has the authority and influence over your life, those are the things that come with that. No takers. I don't want that either. The Bible says the end of that is death. But watch this, Luke chapter number 2. You see, I used to live here. I was lost. And I lived here. God was not my Lord. I was not under him. I was under the law and I was under sin. And oh, there were some bad things coming my way. But one day I heard about what Luke chapter 2 says. I heard there were good tidings of great joy. Which shall be to all people. For unto me was born in the city of David a Savior. Which is Christ the Lord. Did you hear that? which is Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And so I'm over here, I'm dead in my trespasses and sins, and boy, I don't like living here. It's a rough place to live. It's a rough neighborhood to live in. And all of a sudden, I hear good tidings of great joy that there's a new Lord, there's another offer on the market, and I get to choose what I yield and what I submit to. Wait a minute. We go back to Galatians 5. What does he offer? Through the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. I'm over here living in an area, in a neighborhood where there's drunkens and murderers and all of these things, and he's given me the offer to live in his neighborhood where there's love, joy, peace. Don't sound like a hard sell to me. I think even I could sell somebody that one. Wait a minute. We keep on reading. We find out he has a peace that passes understanding. He has a joy that's unspeakable. He has power to overcome, and he offers life everlasting. Sin, when it is finished, when I live here, when I live under anything else than under God, when that's finished, it bringeth forth death. He offers me life and life more abundantly. And he says, watch this. You get to pick who's going to be your Lord. You get to pick. 
You get to pick whether God's going to be your Lord and you're going to be under God or you're going to be under something else. But understand, there's a lifestyle that comes with anything else but God. Romans 6, 16, for sin shall not have dominion over you, for you're not under the law but under grace. That means I can live out from under the place where sin had dominion over me. You ever seen someone who lived under the dominion of sin? It's a sad thing to see. Their life, their actions, their mindsets, their thoughts. I talked to someone last week, and my heart just broke listening to them talk to me on the phone. I'm begging them to get saved, begging them to come to know Christ. And I'm just talking to them, and every word seemingly out of their mouth was just dictated by the lifestyle of someone who lives out from under God. It's horrible. It has dominion over them. The Bible says when we get saved, sin no longer, watch this, has dominion over us. We're not under the law. We're under grace. I'm telling you, it's like the same guy wrote this book. We're under grace now. We're not under the law that leads to death. Now, folks, understand this tonight. That's what repentance is. Watch, watch. We're living over here. We're lost. We're dead in our trespasses and sins, and we get tired of living here. God offers us an alternative. Hey, wouldn't you rather be under me? Wouldn't you rather be under me? Watch, repentance is when you turn from this one and you turn to this one, all right? It's a single action. So, well, repentance is work salvation. Not at all. Watch this. I'm turning from this. In the process of turning to this, that's what repentance is. I'm rejecting this. I'm receiving this. And in the middle, that's what repentance is. Now, folks, tonight, look, that's how we got saved. That's how we're going to get right. Right? If revival is going to come to America, we've got to decide that we're tired of living here. We repent in Revelation chapter 2 and do the first works, that first love. Let's get back under God. Why? Because the lifestyle that we're looking for, you're not going to find it there. Look, how many Christians you waste your life trying to find what you're only going to find there over here? It's not going to happen. I've seen so many Christians waste their life, their family, preachers blow their churches apart, trying to find over here what only God offers when you're under him. Then I can ask you, who's your Lord? Who's your Lord? Israel's finding out the hard way that they should have left the Lord their Lord. And yet now we have the opportunity as Americans to repent and turn back to him. Now understand this. I've made this mistake before. I don't have a problem owning up to my mistakes. I make enough of them. I'll share one with you. I've made the mistake before of asking, even behind the pulpit, if you've made him your Savior, have you made him your Lord? It makes sense, and I understand where I was coming from. But you know, in Luke chapter 2, the Bible says, a Savior which is Christ the Lord. His Lordship is just as much a part of his character as his Saviorship. You say, well, I've turned to the Lord for my Savior, but I haven't turned to him for the Lord yet. No, no, no. It all happened at the same time. When he became your Savior, he became your Lord. Now, here's the problem. Salvation is when we accept him as Lord. Sanctification is when you learn to acknowledge him as Lord. Can I tell you, that's a growth process. I'm going to spend the rest of my life learning how to acknowledge him. God, I'm going to give this piece of my heart over to you. Lord, it's been hard. Lord, I like doing what I want to do in this one area of my heart, but you're my Lord, and now, look, I've accepted you as Lord. Now I'm going to acknowledge you as Lord. That's what sanctification is. Separation is not easy, separating from the world and the things of the world, but through sanctification, that process of becoming more like Christ, we acknowledge him more and more with each passing day. And, boy, the goal is, before we leave this life, that he's Lord of all, that we don't hold anything back from him. God, you want to go in the refrigerator, you go you're Lord of my refrigerator. God, you want to go in my DVD cabinet? Go in there. Anything you want, get it out of there. God, you want to go down my phone? Anything on my phone that doesn't need to be there? You're, going to be, you're Lord. Listen, either he's Lord of all or he's Lord, not Lord at all. God, I'm going to let you go through my phone. God, matter of fact, if you want the phone, you can have it too. I'll get two cans and a string and we'll tie them together and talk that way. Whatever you have to do, why? He's Lord. Either he's Lord or he's not. All right? But along with being under, you say, man, how boring is that to be under God? It's not boring at all. There's a wonderful lifestyle that comes with it. Sadly, here's what happens. We get saved. We're so excited to be saved. Man, we come over to this new neighborhood. We're living in this neighborhood. This is great. We want to invite all of our friends to live in this neighborhood. But after a while, we get tired. You know what? That does look fun. I think I want to go back to that. And so we go, listen, we're not lost, but we go back and live like we're lost. God has to let us get tired of this neighborhood before finally we repent and go back to that one. 
Here's what I wonder about America tonight. We have left being under God, and we're now under something else. How long is it going to take for us to get tired of living here and repent and we move back over here in that neighborhood where the blessings of God are? Jerusalem learned the hard way. It's best to let the Lord be Lord. Now remember this. How did they learn this lesson? The lesson of lordship. They learned it first by learning the lie. The lie that the fact that you can live without a Lord, there's no such thing as a lordless life. You're going to submit to something. You're sub- Look, even if you submit to your own vain imaginations, Romans chapter 1, that's what they did. You're still submitting to it. You say, well, you know, I'm not going to do what God tells me. I'm going to do what I want. No, you're obeying the lust of this stuff right here. You're still submitting to something. Why don't you submit to something that has the blessings and power and peace and contentment that you're looking for? Look, don't believe, number one, the lie of a lordless life. Number two, don't believe tonight that you can go out and live a limited lordship. Well, you know what? He's my lord, but I just live over here. Doesn't work that way. And remember, there's a lifestyle that comes along with lordship. I'll give you this and we're done. The truth is Philippians chapter 2, verse 10 through verse 11. The Bible says that at the name of every knee, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Can I tell you what's going to happen one day? One day, every human being who has ever lived and will ever live will acknowledge that he is Lord. Everyone will. Even the most devout rebel you know who's going to live over here and he's going to prove God wrong by building his kingdom here, he's going to bow and he's going to confess that he is Lord. It's going to happen. Why? Because God said it and I just believe it. It's going to happen. Here's the problem. At that point, it's too late. It's too late. Too late to change. Too late to make him Lord. You're going to bow, but it's too late to make the change. So here's the simple question that I asked someone yesterday. Wouldn't you rather learn to bow here and get under God here and wait till you get there when you can't do anything about it? Now, folks, tonight, I know it's easy to say that he is Lord, but it's not what you say. It's what we submit to. What has the authority and influence over your life? Is it peer pressure? The status quo? I mean, look, folks, it's the norm. I get it. There's so many Christians who live in this area code over here. And you can tell, you can, listen, you can tell by their attitude. And listen, you can tell by their lifestyle. You can just tell what they're submitting to. It's not submitting to the Lord. They're not yielding to righteousness. They're yielding to unrighteousness. Why? Because they're not acknowledging that he's Lord. I believe we're going to have revival. A lot of people who've accepted him as Lord and yet have gone back over here, we're going to have to get back to the place where we acknowledge him as Lord. That he must increase. That means we've got to decrease. And there's something in your heart tonight. Look, I want you to look at your heart like a pie graph. You've got all these pieces. Is there a piece in there that he's not Lord over? Is it your language? Is it your phone? Is it your hobbies, your habits? Is it your ideas? What is it? Look, is there anything in your life or your home that he's not Lord over? Because watch, either he's Lord over all or he's not Lord at all. Nothing at all. Folks, tonight, if God's going to bless this church, he's going to bless it because we've decided we're going to be under God. And we see the blessings and the power and the providence of God. We're going to wonder why we ever thought that looked good in the first place. The Bible says what fruit we had then, we're ashamed ashamed but here's the kicker here's the kicker you decide what you yield to tonight i pray we'll yield to let the lord be our lord heads are bowed eyes are closed heads are bowed eyes are closed